1: Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
0: I'm thrilled to share another episode of CAFE's new show, Remade in America, hosted by Basim Yusuf. He speaks with Maria Inahosa. The anchor and executive producer of NPR's Latino USA. She's won an Emmy Award, an Edward R. Murrow Award, and many, many others. Maria emigrated to the U.S. from Mexico as a kid and talks with Bassam about embracing two cultures in her childhood. And she talks about being the first Latina at NPR and what she's done to bring diversity to journalism. Listen to the first part of the conversation here and then head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts for the full episode. Bassem has been having a lot of fascinating conversations on his show, and he does not shy away from controversy. I've been listening to the show, and I can tell you it's great. I'll be back on Thursday answering your questions. See you then.
2: Since I arrived in America, I have been hearing things like, Journalism is under fire. Now it seems that all people talk about is fake news and the rise of an American dictatorship. The outlets are publishing these fake news stories without fact-checking.
1: Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news has become a plague on the web.
2: But as I look back to what I lived through in the Middle East, my professional opinion about all of this is... Guys, really? I'll be honest, while I try to sound tough telling you guys that you don't even know what an authoritarian regime looks like, I realize one important thing, freedom should never be taken for granted. And maybe compared to the journalism hellhole back in my region, you still have a long way to go before you reach the bottom. But it's up to a small group of people to make sure that the state of the media in America doesn't get any worse. Today's guest is Maria Inojosa. She's one of the many journalists here in America who try every day to deliver real news to call out dishonest leaders, and to protect democracy.
1: So the media and journalists who are not part of the mainstream, we have a really important duty to help tell the history of the United States of America that is not from a majority perspective.
2: Maria has been telling other people's stories for her whole career. She's worked at NPR, CNN, PBS, CBS, WNBC. It's a very long, very impressive list of letters. Today, she's the anchor and executive producer of NPR's Latino USA and the co-founder of Futuro Media Group. Maria has given a voice to a lot of people who didn't have a voice of their own. She is going to tell us more about being a journalist of color and also about how she almost let her identity as a Mexican woman keep her from becoming the renowned public voice she is today. I'm Basim Youssef, and this is Remade in America, presented by CAFE. Today, we're talking with journalist Maria Inojosa. So, it's true that Maria hosted her own NPR show and now owns her own media company. But before all that, Maria and her family came to the United States as immigrants from Mexico. She grew up in Chicago.
1: Being Mexican was really cool, even though sometimes I wish that I had blonde hair, blue eyes, and that my name was Susie. I think my parents did a really good job of inculcating in us how cool it was that we were Mexican and that we were able to go back to our homeland every year by car. So I think my parents played a really big role in allowing us to understand that as immigrants, we could be completely open with our arms wide open to our new country, but that our arms were also extended to the country that saw us be birthed, and, and that somehow that we were able to do both, that there wasn't really a, a, a deep and profound conflict that we could, in fact, be bicultural. Maria's
2: parents gave her a great sense of who she was, but they had their own unique feelings about their new country.
1: I think my mom, what she loves about this country is the ideals on which it stands, the values of a free press, you know, of freedom of speech, of freedom of religion, you know, freedom of assembly. My mom was just like, whoa, yeah, let's, let's, let's be a part of change and modernity and looking forward and, and being open. I think my dad loved this country because of the um, opportunities that it gave him as a professional, as a medical doctor researcher. I think my dad was a little bit of a genius. He never let on. When we were around, he was actually very humble in that sense, but he was committed to his career as a research medical doctor devoted to understanding the inner ear. And he was part of a very, very large team of many scientists who helped to create the cochlear implant. He loved his job as a researcher. And it was because of his love of his profession that he left his country. I think that was probably, you know, one of the most difficult decisions that he ever had to make was to leave his country of birth. He didn't want to, but at the same time, he was that nerdy, geeky, Scientist who wanted to look through a microscope all hours of the day. And that's what this country could afford to him. When Maria told me about her dad,
2: it really hit home for me. I left home and I left everything behind, just like he did. But the only difference is that I didn't choose to do so. I got a phone call and was at the airport a few hours later, scared I would be arrested on my way out of the country. Maria's parents got to make a choice, but choosing to leave your home sounds just as scary to me as being run out of town.
1: He was happy, but I think, as it is with uh, many immigrants, there was always a question of like, oh... Was this the right decision? Should I have done this? And I think a lot of people kind of gloss over that. They think it's like, oh, you just left your country and you came to a new one. And it's like, no, that's a really deep, difficult decision for everyone. And we shouldn't take it lightly. People forget that there's a lot of issues on the immigrants who are leaving their homeland. It is not an easy decision.
2: Maria got the journalism bug at an early age.
1: You know, we consumed journalism in my home all of the time, all of the time. Um, The radio was on, the television was on, we were watching 60 Minutes, Meet the Press. Um, We were engaged, but there were never any stories about people who looked like us. And I was growing up with immigrants from, you know, from China, from India, from Japan. You know, you would look at the media and it would be as if people like us were just strangers and complete, literally, quote, unquote, aliens in the United States. Well, we know that's not true because immigrants have always been a part of this. But in the national news narrative from the time when I was growing up in the 60s, 70s and 80s, it was like we were kind of just visitors. When you don't see yourself and you internalize the invisibility, it's actually really damaging. It's really damaging to your psyche. It's damaging to your emotional state. You feel less than. I was recently asked, who did you look up to as a journalist that you know, that reminded you or told you that you could do it? And I looked at this person I was like, there was nobody. I wasn't looking up to anybody because there was nobody. There were so few women and there were certainly no women of color. So I didn't have anybody to look up to. And still
2: she did it. Maria decided to become a journalist. And not just a regular journalist, but a trailblazer. You were the first Latina at NPR. And people yeah, and the, hear that yes. here and they go, whoa. I I hear that and I go, whoa. Well, that was
1: 1985, the first Latina hired, actually hired at NPR editorial. And then in 1991, I became the first Latina correspondent at the network.
2: Wow. And why you? Why were you the first Latina at NPR? Did you push the right buttons? Did you fight more? Were you in the right place in the right time?
1: Well, to be honest with you, (laughs) you know, I actually, I got the job at NPR because I got an internship at NPR, which takes me back to when I was a senior at Barnard College and I was thinking about internships and I didn't even want to apply to the internship at NPR because I thought I wasn't good enough. I myself had closed the doors because I was like, come on, I'll never get hired. I'm not white and I'm not a man. And that was pretty much what I was hearing coming out of NPR. So it was my career counselor who said, no, 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 you must apply, you have to apply. And it was because of that, somebody basically had to push me through the door. I was so believing of my own inferiority complex and I talk a lot about this with my students and my employees, my coworkers, that often, and actually, Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor has said that one of the greatest forms of discrimination that we will suffer from as people of color is the discrimination that we bear down on ourselves to believe that we're not good enough. So I think it's important to tell that story.
2: When she was still pretty new at NPR, one of Maria's editors made a casual comment about Mexicans that she remembers vividly to this day.
1: What he was saying was that, you know, after the 1985 earthquake in Mexico, and then there was an American Airlines plane that crashed and like 250 people were killed. And he was just like, wow, the suffering in Mexico, you know, I guess I can't imagine if that happened here in the United States, what would happen? Because I don't know, maybe the Mexican people are just used to the suffering. And that's when I stopped him. And I was like, "Okay, you need to stop saying those kinds of things. And he did not take it the wrong way. He was prepared to accept the critique. And that is something that I really value. Because when people make an observation or a critique about you, I think, uh, you know, we have to take it. And there's all kinds of unconscious bias, there's all kinds of racism and stereotypes and anti-gay, anti-black, anti-trans, anti-Muslim, anti-whatever sentiments that people are carrying with them because they are part of American society which, if you consume the mainstream media, kind of lives and thrives in, an, in, in stereotypes. I mean, my, my Mexican grandmother, who had never lived in New York, was afraid of black people in the Bronx. When I moved here in 1979, I was like, Abuelita, what are you afraid of? Ay, es que lo veo en las películas. You know, I see it in the movies. So Hollywood um, has helped to create a narrative that is anti, you know, again, anti-black, anti-Mexican, anti-women, anti-Muslim, et etc., etc., etc. And we are all victims of that. Hollywood and the American news media in general. So we have to catch ourselves... To not let ourselves caught up with that kind of thought.
2: Maria's story about her editor saying that Mexicans are used to suffering reminds me of people saying that Arabs choose to be under a dictatorship. That's not how dictators work. They don't ask to be chosen, they dictate. It's right there in the word. They tell you that they are in charge with guns. Sometimes with elections, but when someone wins an election with 100% of the vote, it's usually a sign that it was more dictation than election. And over time, the people themselves being under dictatorship for so long, they will blame themselves. They will tell you, we don't deserve democracy. We need a strong man to tell us what to do. Everyone becomes a line worker and nobody is rewarded for independent thought. On that note, it's time to take a little break. Since I'm a rookie and Maria is a pro, I ask her to help me smoothly transition into the ad in the middle of my show. People in the biz call this the mid-roll. So, I'm just getting the hang of this podcasting thing, and I like the way you close the first half of your show before the ads. The mid-roll. <laughs> Can you do it for this episode? Stay with us. No te... No
1: te <laughs> vayas.
2: Yes. Okay, again.
1: No te vayas.
2: Yes. Please stay with us no te vayas.
0: I hope you enjoyed the first part of Bassam Youssef's remarkable interview with Maria Inahosa. Please go listen to the full episode of the show Remade in America at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. See you Thursday.